Hello readers, Dave Asprey is a Silicon Valley tech entrepreneur, professional biohacker, creator of Bulletproof Coffee, host of Bulletproof Radio, and author of a trio of New York Times bestsellers, Game Changers, Headstrong, and The Bulletproof Diet. His new book is called Superhuman, The Bulletproof Plan to Age Backward and Maybe Even Live Forever. You can get it now wherever books are sold. Dave, thank you for the time. What was your goal in writing Superhuman? I've run an anti-aging nonprofit group for 20 years. I had the diseases of aging before I was 30 because my health was really bad. And I rehearsed all that. And after 20 years of looking at what's happening in the space, I feel real comfortable saying, I think there's a really good chance I'm going to live to at least 180. But most people don't have the benefit of 20 years of looking at the changes and how fast we're learning stuff. But I thought I'd write a book about what you can do right now to give yourself the odds of living way longer than you think you're going to. Why is inflammation a key to aging in reverse? turns out that every chronic disease of aging, the things that are most likely to kill us, Alzheimer's, diabetes, cancer, heart attacks, they all have inflammation as an underlying cause. And inflammation itself is just a sign that your cells are not doing a good job of taking food and air and turning them into the energy that used to be you. So it turns out maybe some of basic system of aging isn't as hard as we thought, and some parts of it really are hard, but we cracked those parts of it anyway. While a majority of this book is spent with you giving advice on various things that people can do, various things people can pursue to avoid the perils of aging, you really start this book out not only telling your own personal story, but also going over the seven pillars of aging. Rather than have you rattle off all seven, I'm going to ask you about a couple in particular. First off, what are cellular straitjackets, a.k.a. pillar number four? Cellular straitjackets are the stiffening of cells that happens as you age. The the real genius in all the work that's happening across the planet right now is that, look, your car won't last forever if all you do is change the oil. You might have to change the tires sometimes. So this pillar number four is one of the seven big things you have to do. And you've got to prevent your cells from getting stiff. Because as you age, if your cells' membranes are stiff, they simply can't do what they were meant to do, and then systems in your body will start breaking down. So the book isn't all kind of doom and gloom. It's, look, now we know why. Here's what you can do that doesn't take a lot of time. In this case, reducing inflammation from foods that turn on just a little bit of inflammation all the time will reduce the formation of these amyloid plaques that form throughout the bodies as we age. We didn't know about this. 20 years ago. Now we do. And we know what to do to get less of them. And I also talked in every chapter, here's what you do for free. Here's what you can do that's cheap. And here's what the crazy millionaires are doing (laughs) that is going to become affordable for all of us over the next few years. We'll definitely get into uh, some of the crazy millionaire ideas in just a little bit. But I'm also curious to hear your thoughts on something that I feel like I've heard a lot more about in the last year in the health and wellness community. That is telomeres. What are telomeres and why is their shortening considered pillar number seven of aging? Telomeres are these little things that are kind of like uh, a wick on a candle, but they're in your cells. And every time a cell divides, you take a little bit off the wick. And then when you run out of wick, the cell can't divide anymore, and then it dies. So obviously, if your cells lose their ability to reproduce, you're going to have some problems as you age. We used to think it was a fixed number called the Hayflick limit. And now, because we just know so much more about what's going on inside the body, 
figured out you can actually link that telomeres. You can actually add wick onto your candle, which is a really important way to live longer. But if it's all that you do, you probably won't live longer because you've got to get at least a little bit of action on all seven of these to add the years to your life. If you do the basic stuff, you can just add life to your years, but you're probably not going to get more years than Mother Nature intended. What I'm talking about in Superhuman is healing like Wolverine. Maybe a little bit slower, but still healing way better than you're supposed to and not aging the way you think you will. And this is one of those things you're going to have to manage with telomeres. Dave Asprey is a Silicon Valley tech entrepreneur, professional biohacker, creator of Bulletproof Coffee, New York Times bestselling author whose new book is called Superhuman. Dave, uh, you are obviously somebody who has espoused the benefits of eating the right kinds of fats over anything else while certainly limiting your carb intake, but also limiting your protein intake, which goes against this popular notion for a long time in the health and wellness community of just how good protein is for you. What is it about protein that can actually be bad when you're consuming too much? The only reason we ever thought protein was good for us was because we said, oh, fat's bad for us. And this was in the 70s. It turns out they were a little bit wrong about fat. And what was left? Well, hey, let's let's try protein. Protein is a terrible building block for your, your, sorry, is a great building block for your body, but it's a terrible fuel source. Breaking protein down into energy is really hard on the body and it creates inflammation via a pathway called mTOR. So if you get your energy from fat, you feed your gut bacteria with lots of vegetables and you get enough protein to rebuild yourself, but you don't try to make your body burn protein as an actual fuel source, you get the least, I'm going to call it exhaust inside your body. We've all seen those smoky trucks. Well, if you eat protein to make energy instead of to eat protein to break it down to become the bricks that make the walls of your body, uh, then you're going to end up with kind of a polluted environment. And that's what a high-protein diet does for you. More than 20% of your calories from protein gives you a four times higher likelihood of dying from all-cause mortality. In other words, moderate protein, super high-quality, tasty, delicious, tons of creamy fat, and a bunch of broccoli. It's not really that hard, but there's some details in there. Seems like a simple equation, but maybe easier said than done, considering what the American diet has become over the last 50 years or so. You know, it's not as hard or as expensive as people think. And the Bulletproof Diet and, and the recommendations in, Hebs, in Headstrong are not, uh, they're not extreme, and they're not even terribly expensive. The idea that you should eat your vegetables is nothing new. But the idea of a ketosis-based diet is relatively new. But even then, I tell people you should have carbs in the evening, not too many. So the zero-carb diet, great for a little while, tough in the long run. And if you want to build a diet that leaves you full, satisfied, tastes good, and doesn't have you constantly craving food the way I did when I weighed 300 pounds, you find that really you're going to have to eat the right kinds of fat because canola oil and corn oil probably aren't going to make you feel good. You know, it's interesting, Dave, because I went into this book having a basic understanding of ketosis, the metabolic process that you have opened so many people's eyes to that can be achieved through that high-fat, low-carb diet. I was actually unaware of cyclical ketosis until reading about it in Superhuman. What is cyclical ketosis, and why is it a healthier option than a person remaining in a constant state of ketosis? That's so cool that you asked that. There's actually something called dirty keto. (laughs) And Bulletproof's helped to put the keto diet on the map, but dirty keto is what happens when you say, oh, I'm never eating a carb again. As long as it's not sugar, 
and not a carb, I'll eat it. And then you end up eating too much protein. You end up eating low quality fats. And then you lose some weight, but then suddenly things start to go sideways. You don't feel so good. You get that inflammation back and you've lost, this actually happened to me 15 years ago when I tried it. I lost 50 pounds of my 100 pounds, but the other 50 wouldn't go away. The Bulletproof Diet took off the second 50. And what that means is you go in the ketosis zone. You can do this by drinking your Bulletproof coffee in the morning that has an oil in it called brain octane that turns into ketones, which makes it easier. Um, Or you can just not eat any carbs for several days. And when that happens, suddenly you go into this really state where you feel really good, the state of ketosis. But then your gut bacteria start to get irritated with you. And if you don't eat carbs within oh a week or two, you get shifts in your gut bacteria that really aren't good for you. So if you don't feed the little guys in your gut and you stay in ketosis for a long period of time, if you're a woman, in about four to six weeks, you should expect your hormones to go haywire and your sleep to not work anymore. And if you're a guy, you might make it six to eight weeks before your sleep starts to go away and your libido starts to go away. The solution to this, it's crazy. You eat some carbs just not sugar. And on the Bulletproof diet, you go into ketosis, you go out of ketosis, and you're in low-grade ketosis a lot of the time. But what ketosis buys you is never craving any food again. That's why Bulletproof coffee is a big thing. You can find it almost everywhere now because people drink it and they get a little bit of ketosis and suddenly they stop craving the bagels. No doubt about that. I saw it in Whole Foods the other day. Uh, Another chapter that I really enjoyed, Dave, was your chapter on sleep. You're certainly not the first person to suggest that sleep has an anti-aging effect, but most suggest around eight hours of optimal sleep. You say 6.5 hours is the number to aim for. Why? Well, there's so much bad science out there. One of my favorite examples, uh, anyone ever tell you to drink eight glasses of water a day? (laughs) Yeah. They didn't ask how big you are, and they didn't tell you how big the glasses were? Well, eight hours of sleep a night isn't good science. What... It turns out is that when they did the largest study ever of people, 1.2 million people looking in detail at their sleep, they found that people who live the longest sleep six and a half hours a night. So what this means is healthy people need less sleep, not that you should sleep less to be healthy. So fix your cellular biology, which will make you age less, and magically you'll wake up in six and a half hours and you'll feel good. And I publish the data in Superhuman and tell people how to do it. But I get more deep sleep and more REM or dream sleep in six and a half hours than the average 20-year-old gets in eight hours. So there's nothing wrong with eight hours of sleep, but people who sleep seven hours live longer than people who sleep nine hours. It's about, as always in life, it's about being more efficient with that sleep, right? Yeah. So you can get more sleep in less time. That's what I do. And man, I feel younger. So based on that, you do offer a variety of hacks for a better night's sleep, as you just mentioned. You also talked about earlier in this conversation various options for people who maybe have a little bit of money versus the the millionaires who can do crazy things to help with a variety of these topics that you cover in this book. But that, of course, includes a better night's sleep. Is there one thing for a person who is listening right now that they could do starting tonight that would produce a pretty quick result in terms of more efficient sleep? Well, the easiest thing to do is don't eat after the sun goes down tonight and then in your house don't look at bright lights so turn as many lights off as you can make it a dim night light a candle even i have dimmer switches in my house they're easier than candles (laughs) and then if you have the ability to unplug or tape over every blue green yellow and 
probably red, but definitely blue, green, and yellow LED in your bedroom so that you have actual darkness. Look at how you feel tomorrow morning. What you're going to find is that small amounts of light affect the quality of your sleep. You say, but I slept. It doesn't matter. Study out of Japan, 800 people, the amount of light that sneaks in around your curtains in a typical city was enough to increase depression by 63%. Wow. Your body pays attention to light more than you do. Black out your bedroom, sleep in a cave, wake up feeling like a rock star. Chapter 5 is all about light, not just the chapter devoted to sleep. The good and the bad of light. Blue light, which you were just referencing uh, in part, is an example of the bad. I think a lot of people are starting to understand its perils, thankfully. But what is an example of good light? Sunlight is good light. If you were to wake up tomorrow morning and go outside and get some light into your eyes without sunglasses on, just for 20 minutes, you will sleep better that night. And sunlight is composed of some blue light, but it also has infrared light, red light, and all the other colors in it. And as you start slicing up the spectrum of color, you realize that the cells in your body do interesting things, especially around red, amber, and infrared light. Turns out there are multiple studies showing that portable red light panels or amber light panels can increase the thickness of the collagen in your skin. They actually have wound healing and anti-aging effects. And infrared light can do similar things. Even ultraviolet light, the stuff that we're afraid of, a little bit of ultraviolet light is really good for your eyes and your skin, but a lot of it is not. So light exposure for us, we're more like plants than we like to admit. And if you want to live a long time, using those light frequencies so that you maintain your health is a good thing. But really a walk outside where you get the full spectrum of all light, light is a nutrient. Speaking with Dave Asprey right now, the new book is Superhuman, the bulletproof plan to age backward and maybe even live forever. You can get it now wherever books are sold. Dave, you spend a number of pages on nootropics, a.k.a. smart drugs, including something that everyone has heard of before but possibly demonizes. How is nicotine, and more specifically microdosing nicotine, a nootropic, and how often should a person use it in that way? Now, a lot of people just had an eyebrow go up when he said that. And I'm not talking about smoking. I'm not talking about chewing or even using tobacco. When you separate the nicotine from the tobacco, small doses of nicotine increase the function of mitochondria in your cells. And since 1988, low doses of oral nicotine, this is things like gum, it actually reverses Alzheimer's disease. The research comes out of Vanderbilt University, and I've interviewed... Uh, the lead researcher on my podcast, Bulletproof Radio, and really dug in on the science. Turns out, if you were to take one milligram of nicotine, we're talking, oh, about 5 to 10% of what's in a cigarette, so a very low amount. And you're to do that once, maybe twice a day, starting in your 30s or 40s. It's likely to have beneficial effects. And one of the things that nicotine does is it mimics exercise in the body, there's a compound that goes up called PGC-1-alpha. Well, nicotine raises that. It's one of the reasons people weigh less when they take nicotine, and it's appetite suppressant. But most importantly, low doses can help the brain with Alzheimer's, or better yet, not get Alzheimer's. So in the book, I propose here's a not clinically tested but very conservative way. You might want to use nicotine in order to perform better when you wanted to have your brain really focused, but most importantly, as you age in very low doses to just reduce the likelihood 
that when you're 80, you won't know your own name because no one wants to go there. And if you're going to live to 180 like me, who wants to spend an extra 100 years with your brain not working? So six months ago, Tiger Woods won the Masters, and something that people were really focused on in his final couple of days was him just constantly chomping on a piece of gum. And I, I tried to tell people at the time, and I still swear this is the case, I would bet a good amount of money that he was chewing on nicotine gum to help with his performance. <laughs> it would not surprise me at all. I, I have no I have no data about whether he did or didn't. There are a good number um, of, of athletes and other people who just realized that, look, smoking's gross. I'm not telling you to smoke. Spitting tobacco is not good for you. But if you throw the baby out with the bathwater, there is value to small amounts of nicotine. And there's also harm from large amounts of nicotine. Uh, this is, a, you know, don't vape, don't smoke. Please don't take those as anti-aging technologies. They are not. Uh, however, if we just stop paying attention to this incredibly well-studied compound that makes you remember things better and type faster and helps with Alzheimer's, then we're letting down our older people who are getting Alzheimer's. No doubt about that. Speaking of sports, the sports world has popularized human growth hormone over the last decade plus. Does HGH have proven health or anti-aging benefits? It does have proven health and anti-aging benefits. It's also very expensive uh, to the tune of $1,000 a month in order to take it. So the return on investment isn't there for the vast majority of people. I would say that if someone is is uh, low on lab studies in human growth hormone. In other words, you get a real test and you're really low. It's one of the many hormones you might consider for anti-aging, but to focus on it as you know, a, magic, a magic thing, it's probably not worth it, uh, even for, for pro athletes, unless you're injured. I would take human growth hormone after an injury, but I wouldn't take it every day. Hmm. And uh, you've tried a lot of different things in your life in the name of reversing aging. Have you ever attempted the vampire diet or replacing your blood with that of a younger, healthier person? I actually have a college student under my bed. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You didn't think I would say that, did you? I did not. Uh, uh, I I haven't, uh, but I have certainly talked with uh, the people who who are really into those kind of things, including uh, the head scientist at the company that offered the the, college student blood. And it turns out they did not have clinical studies for that, but there are lots of studies that show that blood from young animals makes older animals young. Uh, So in Superhuman, I talk about it. All right, maybe someday we're going to do something there, but what could you do right now? Well, let's find out what's in young people's blood. And there's a couple of things that are in the book, peptides and compounds that you can buy today that are very affordable, like $50 level affordable, that you can use instead of a young person's blood. Hmm. And those are effective. And uh, last thing real quick, Dave, before I let you go, uh, one reason why I feel uh, this connection with uh, what you talk about and what your journey has been throughout your life is because much like you, I was a fat kid in my uh, early adolescent uh, years into early adulthood. So it's something that has really driven me throughout the rest of my life. I'm 41 yet now. I'm in great shape. I do things to make sure to take care of myself. Is the fact that you were in that similar place so long ago something that still drives you today? What drives me today is that I, I had many of these diseases of aging, uh, like you did when, when I was young. 
And there's a thing that you feel when your mind doesn't work and you're trying to pay attention and, and you realize you can't remember stuff and, and part of you is kind of going away. I was lucky enough to learn from people two and three times my age who are running an anti-aging nonprofit group that I ended up running. And I just realized none of what I went through, none of what you went through was, was necessary. It was simply from a lack of information, especially in the medical community. And I said, all right, I'm going to make it my mission to make sure that other people don't go through what you and I went through. We're going to spread the message far and wide because this stuff is real and it works and it's provable and there's good science behind it. So what motivates me there is never again, not for me and not for anyone else. It sucks to get old because, and and it really sucks twice as hard to get old before you're 30. And I just realized I know enough people in their 70s and 80s who aren't old that it's now optional if you do the work. You uh, do a fantastic job of spreading that message in this new book. He is Dave Asprey. The new book is Superhuman, the bulletproof plan to age backward and maybe even live forever. You can get it now wherever books are sold. Dave, thank you for the time today. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Me too. Thank you.